It's a September 3rd, 2014, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's technology. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. First, we'll cover some local science and tech stories. Then we'll hear from Chris Lee and Valerie Mee to tell us about the Unity 3D event. Then Dean Levitt from Mad Mimi will give us an update on their acquisition. Finally, we'll, uh, we've invited members of the Hawaii Society for Technology in Education to join us. Mike Travis and Elizabeth Garrison will talk about the organization and the ways education is evolving with the tech, with the help of technology. Have your questions and suggestions ready to call in or tweet, but first the headlines. Hawaiian Telecom is one of the seven telecommunication companies in a consortium to build a new submarine cable system that will connect Southeast Asia with the U.S. The CUS group includes companies in the Philippines, Indonesia, and Guam. With a length of over 15,000 kilometers, the CUS submarine cable is scheduled to be completed by the end of 2016 at a cost of $250 million. It will expand trans-Pacific capacity by 20 terabits per second, making it the fastest cable connecting Southeast Asia to the U.S. The cable will link Hawaii and Los Angeles to the three Southeast Asian territories and is described as critical to to growth in those areas, from supporting the growing outsourcing and offshoring industry in the Philippines to increasing stability and redundancy for strategic facilities in Guam. Hawaiiantel will be investing $25 million into the project and will have a fractional ownership in the system, with trans-Pacific bandwidth demand projected to increase by as much as 33% each year over the next five years the consortium hopes the CUS cable will drive substantial business. Hawaiian Telecom President and CEO Eric Yeaman said in a statement, Our participation in the CUS project strengthens Hawaii's role as a key strategic hub and will allow Hawaiian Telecom to efficiently meet its internal long-term trans-Pacific capacity needs as our customers' increasing demand for bandwidth continues to grow. Other part, uh, partners in the consortium include California-based GTI Corporation and Japan's NEC Corporation, which will be the system supplier for the project through the Submarine Network Division. The project originated last year in Indonesia, and the cable will connect directly to the country's domestic backbone. And I guess uh, this is a route that is not frequently taken from a, from a you know fiber optic cable standpoint, so uh, that's kind of one of the the new sort of diversity benefits uh, from it, and then uh, you know it's it's probably one of the few. I mean, we've talked about a bunch of cable projects, but this is the only one that I've heard about that's actually being invested in by by a know, local by company. A local certainly, company. certainly, I mean, um, the there is another cable with a similar route. It's the Asia American Gateway, the AAG Philippines, Hong Kong, uh, Malaysia through Guam and and uh, Hawaii through the U.S. But you're right, um, a lot of these cables will sometimes bypass Hawaii. We've talked a lot most recently about the Hawaii Cable. That's a New Zealand project. Mm -hmm. It says it's coming through Hawaii, but in that case, we don't have a local partner, a landing point. We don't know really how it's going to involve, if at all, anyone in Hawaii. So this is interesting. $25 million in a $250 million cable. That sounds like a relatively well-priced cable, and this is just at the start of it. Maybe those prices will go up. But I can certainly see, I mean, if demand increases by 33% a year, there should be more cables being uh, proposed. Well, and, you know, the fact that the Hawaiian Tel is investing in it guarantees the fact that it's got to land here. It's got to land and somewhere uh, be connected to the uh, Hawaiian Tel network. So I think uh, it's a good thing. If if they they get 10% of the 20 terabits, that's at least two terabits, right? That, that would certainly not be a bad thing. I, I do want to mention submarinecablemap.com. I, I keep going there. It's a very nice interactive map if you want to see these, and you can see how many of them cross from different parts mm-hmm. of the Pacific. 
Our planet's galactic mailing address has a new line, thanks to international team of astronomers led by a researcher at the University of Hawaii. The cover story of tomorrow's issue of the journal Nature features an unprecedented map of a supercluster of galaxies that includes the Milky Way. The researchers have defined the boundaries of a neighborhood that's 500 million light years in diameter and contains 100,000 galaxies. And with the help of a fellow UH faculty member, the name of this newly defined home cluster of galaxies is Laniakea, which means immense heavens, in tribute to an ancient uh, in tribute to ancient native Hawaiian navigators. In an announcement this morning, the research team explained that galaxies are not distributed randomly across the universe, but are instead found in groups that are connected, interconnected in a web of galactic filaments. And where these filaments intersect, you find large structures or superclusters. The research paper proposes a way to identify these large-scale structures using their impact on the motions of galaxies by applying this method to the velocity of galaxies in our local universe. The researchers were able to map the region of space that includes the Milky Way. The mapping effort also touched on a decades-long mystery in astronomy called the Great Attractor, used to explain why galactic movements are directed inwards. The team describes it as being like the way water streams follow descending paths toward a valley floor. Lead researcher R. Brent Tully said in a statement, We have finally established the contours that define the supercluster of galaxies we can call home. This is not unlike finding out for the first time that your hometown is actually part of a much larger country that borders other nations. Hey, that great attractor is like you, uh, Ryan. Oh, I was thinking it was reminding me of you, Bert. Oh, well, you know, the interesting thing about these uh, these galaxies and the way it was described to me was that, uh, you know, Originally, I mean, they were looking at all these galaxies expanding sort of in a, in a uniform basis across the entire universe. But there are other forces that are attracting galaxies and, and making them move in, in very unique ways. And they were mapping all of these uh, sort of additional um, effects on the galaxies. And they were able to conclude that there were groups of galaxies, these superclusters that were all sort of heading in, in, in a particular direction. Right. They, in fact, kind of form filaments. There's an excellent video that the researchers put together that you can find if you Google now, like Galaxy Laniakea. Um, you can see illustrations of it. They were basically charting the flow of 8,000 galaxies. They're all moving in a specific direction toward another supercluster. They've already identified and named other superclusters. So it's kind of like drawing a map more and more about the neighborhood that we live in and mm-hmm. certainly helps give you a better idea of the scale of the universe. I was talking to uh, Roy Gell, and he was telling me that uh, this study maps about 1,000 galaxies, and I think the next one might be looking at even more, maybe you know, toward the uh, order of several thousand. So it'll be more interesting to see the animation of that. Absolutely. And uh, here's a couple of quick stories I wanted to share with you. Carl Kim, the executive director of the National Disaster Preparedness Training Center and a professor in the UH Manoa Department of Urban uh, Regional Planning, has uh, been named um, to a three-year term as chairman of the National Domestic Preparedness Consortium in this capacity. Uh, Kim will lead the consortium in development and and delivery of training and educational programs to help safeguard the nation against natural and man-made hazards and threats. And a reminder, this Friday and Saturday, please join us at Kaka'ako Agora for a free movie screening and a community action workshop focused on open knowledge. The Friday evening film is The Internet's Own Boy. It's a documentary about the life and death of Internet activist Aaron Swartz. And lunch for the Saturday workshop is provided for free if you RSVP. To register for free, you can go to openknowledge.eventbrite.com. 
And now joining us in the studio is Chris Lee and Valerie Mee from the Academy for Creative Media. And they're both here to tell us about the Unity 3D event coming up. Welcome to the show, Chris and Valerie. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be back. Now, Valerie, um, you have been involved with this uh, Unity 3D. Maybe you can give us a quick description of what exactly that is. Sure. So Unity 3D is uh, one of the leading game engines currently available. And the reason why it's one of the leading game engines is because it has extremely high-quality real-time rendering combined with it's very accessible and easy to use. So you get both extremely high-quality and also uh, a lot of creativity because mm-hmm. you're able to quickly program in it. In it, you're, it's considered much easier to use than, for example, the Unreal Engine, and uh, with more current technology as well. Also, it's um, it's very popular with ind- independent developers because the barrier to entry, the cost of it, is very low. There's a free version and also a paid version, which is very affordable. And so, a lot of independent developers have started using it and are getting you know their products out there and are sell- selling them in a variety of different stores that are available: mm. mobile, mm-hmm. desktop. Things like that. So it's it's a very popular game engine right now, and the uh, the makers of the software are going to be visiting um, Hawaii for the first time at the end of this month on September 29th, and they're going to be giving a free training from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Iolani Sullivan Center. So uh, we'd like to invite your your uh, listeners to attend that um, on the. On your website, we'll have a registration link where sure, they, yeah. people can pre-register for that. How, um, give us a sense of what's the, uh, let's say, difficulty in learning a program like Unity 3D. Well, Unity uh, is actually um, an all-around game development uh, environment, so it has a, a modeling and, and animation aspect to it, and then it also has a programming aspect to it. And there's luckily, there's a large community around this uh, software already, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of online tutorials. You could basically learn just from watching the tutorials how to do all aspects of it. Um, it also integrates really well with Maya or a free version of a 3D software like uh, Blender, for mm-hmm. example, can integrate really well with it. So um, there's always like, some sort of learning curve with learning these things, but if, if somebody already knows another uh, game engine or has some programming background, it, it's relatively easy to pick up. It's mm-hmm. known for being one of the easier ones to just jump in and start creating. Now, Chris, uh, for the Academy of Creative Media, certainly, you know, a lot of people think of uh, of the film industry and such, mm-hmm. but I think what this, this event and what the focus on gaming as a platform is definitely illustrating that there are different kinds of mediums that people can work in. There's more and more conversations, fortunately now, about games being uh, another form of creative arts, you know, that uh, people who create the stories in a video game are no less, you know, notable or uh, uh, worthy of examination or even criticism as people who make films or people who make, uh, who write books, for example. No, absolutely true, and, um, you know, that's why it's called the Academy for Creative Media rather than the Academy Film Scores mm-hmm. and like that. I mean, it's, we've got fantastic faculty in traditional film uh, education at, at UH Manoa. But we're, what we're adding now at various campus, including uh, UH West Oahu and, uh, and also at Manoa, uh, are, are very specific video game classes, transmedia classes, Apple iOS application classes. Uh, actually, there's a, there's a great guy, a superstar uh, named Jason Lee that the university recently hired from Chicago and uh, who I hope you're going to have on in the future. Um, and he um, is already teaching, I think he told me he has 170 students in the computer science department up at Manoa, uh, starting in the spring, well, I should be co-teaching uh, between Manoa and West Oahu, and we're installing these things that he invented called the Cyber Canoe, mm. which involves uh, multiple 
uh, 4K 3D uh, monitors that are mar- 84-inch monitors that are married with Alienware computers. And that's what mm. they use to teach the gaming on. And we're going to be co-teaching that at both campuses. Mm-hmm. Now, Valerie, you're a, a professor over at the UH Mano, and uh, you're, you're teaching, what, animation to a lot of students? And, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, the, uh, sort of what's the prospect for job opportunities for them, I mean, you know, in, in terms of graduating in this, in this field? Well, uh, it is a very um, uh, technical and also kind of expert type of field. So if somebody has a high level of skill in it, mm-hmm. then the job prospects are quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, what Chris and also you know the rest of us in the program would like to see is more of an industry here so that people don't need to leave, of course, to get the jobs. And that's part of the reason that um, this Unity event is exciting because the whole point of it is to encourage and foster the independent game development community here so that you know the graduates can either be involved in making the games themselves or can work for somebody else to make the games, mm-hmm. writing animation and other assets. Mm-hmm. All right. So although we'll have the registration link at bitemarkscafe.org uh, for g- general details so people can mark it on their calendars, where and when is this free event? It's at Iolani School. Uh, we're very, um, I'm very glad that my alma mater is hosting us at the <laughs> Sullivan Innovation Center, which is a great place. It's Monday, September 29th from 6 to 8 p.m., uh, admission is free. Parking is free. But you do have to pre-register because we only have so many seats and we're, it's already filling up. So if you can go to your site and then they can go to the link and uh, click into the, the Google uh, thing. Most right. definitely. We'll put that up on our show notes Great. tonight. Thanks, Chris and Valerie, for joining us. Thank, Thank you. you very much. And uh, <clears throat> now joining us by phone, calling all the way from Israel, is uh, Dean Levitt from Mad Mimi. And we want to welcome him and uh, – uh, congratulate him on his uh, new announcement for the company. Welcome to the show, Dean. Thank you so much. It's really, really exciting to be here again. Well, thanks. And, you know, we had you on the show in person in our studio, uh, I don't know, it must have been a couple of months ago, and, and now you're in Israel. Can you give us a sense of what's, uh, what are you doing over there? <laughs> it, it was a big move. So when, when we realized that, uh, that GoDaddy and Manu were going to be joining forces, I realized that there was two important aspects to my life, one of which was family, and my brother's here with his, his really lovely children, and it'll allow me to work much closer with Gary, who is the main product developer of Mad Mimi, and, and as we grow and expand what Mad Mimi offers, it just made sense to be here for now. I, I really do want to be back in Hawaii in a few years. Okay. Well, but again, uh, congratulations, Dean. And for those who didn't hear, we did mention it when it was announced as well. Mad Mimi, which is, I would say, a relatively small startup focused on email marketing, was acquired by GoDaddy, pretty much a giant in terms of online marketing, website hosting, and things like that. Um, One of the things that I think is a natural question when a small, spunky, you know, charismatic company gets acquired by a large, large company is uh, how are you going to be able to retain the, the culture of Mad Mimi when you are now part of a big organization? That's an awesome question, and I actually believe it's, it's got a fairly fun answer. So when you think about it, GoDaddy is actually one of the original startups, and, and they've been able to, even throughout their growth, maintain their own really fun and quirky culture. And so they're not looking to stifle us in any ways. My entire team, our customer service team, our product designers, our developers, Gary, who's our, who's been our CEO, and myself, we're all staying with with Mad Mimi. We're all staying with GoDaddy. We're all being a we're all still a remote team, which we've uh, been in the past. So 
basically nothing's nothing's changing from our perspective. The only real difference is, is we're now being offered to, to more people. There's probably going to be some challenges in, in scaling up and in growing and maintaining that culture, but it's actually something that GoDaddy is working really hard with us to, to nurture. We're not being told to change anything. Um, the, the real... The, the, the culture comes from the people involved, and, and we're not changing at all. So, I, you know, I think you maybe already answered this question, but, you know, Mad Mimi already has a pretty identifiable brand. And, you know, when I first heard about the announcement with GoDaddy, I was wondering if uh, how, is, uh, how is Mad Mimi going to be offered as a product uh, via GoDaddy, or is it pretty much going to stand alone as it's, you know, as it currently is a product offering that uh, you know provides people with uh, email email um, packaging and, and services. Right. So for now, Mad Mimi is going to be a standalone product, just just like it's always been, and we're going to be working on a separate offering for GoDaddy customers. So Mad Mimi remains Mad Mimi. People can go to madmimi.com, sign up, send just the same, reach the exact same people again, and then. Slowly over the next year, year and a half, we're going to be building a another another separate platform built in the same way, the same functionality, the same user friendliness for GoDaddy's customers. And then, who knows what the future will bring? At some point, we might join forces. Uh, we, you know, I don't I don't want to speculate, but the, what we're what we're all kind of agreed with, uh, agreed upon is that we're not going to try and change anything that's currently working for, for existing customers and future customers. Mm. Well, Dean, you know, I have to say, full disclosure, just uh, today, my company where I work became a customer of Mad Mimi um, because we wanted to try it out. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of other com- competitors in the space. There's MailChimp, there's mm-hmm. Constant Contact, a lot of people use. Um, in addition to all of this, with the new acquisition and uh, with the acquisition and new potential customers coming in, is there anything that uh, you can share about uh, maybe the next step or the next new feature that uh, Mad Mimi email marketing customers can look forward to? Sure, Chief. That's, that's the, the hardest question you guys have asked so far. <laughs> we have a lot on our roadmap. Um, in terms of new features, Chief, we're, we're, we're always looking to, to expand things. We're going to get deeper into WordPress integration, we're going to offer more color magic, more more um, intelligent theming for uh, website signups. I'm trying to think of any other really. Ex- we have I have a list of about a hundred dream features, and, and to be honest, we can start working on them. That's now. right. Uh, that's right. We have some increased resources, although. In the short term, really, as in the next few months, we're going to be focused more on a smooth integration rather than intensive feature development. At, at least that's what I think. Gary, who, who, to anyone who doesn't know, who is my brother and he's our product design, he might have some, some different plans. And we'll see, we'll see what, the next few months, uh, what the next few months bring. Well, Dean, we want to congratulate you again on this uh, you know, great uh, um, acquisition and partnership with GoDaddy. And uh, we will definitely look forward to all the cool things that are going to come our way as a result of uh, this partnership. Thanks for calling in. Thank you so much. It's really, really awesome to be on the show, guys. Thank you, and, and, and thanks for the good vibes.
Okay, thanks, Dean. And that's what's been happening this week. We'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Mike Travis and Elizabeth Garrison to tell us about the Hawaii Society for Technology in Education. What role does the HSTE play in placing technology in schools? Of course, we'd love your thoughts or questions as part of that conversation. You can give us a call at 941-3689 or toll-free from the neighbor islands at 877-941-3689. And, of course, we're live in the studio, and you can tweet us your questions at BiteMarks or at Hawaii. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Have you been waiting for just the right time to become an HPR member? Well, this is it. Donate $5 a month or more, and you and a guest are invited to our new member pop-up party on Saturday afternoon, September 13th. There will be refreshments, fun, and music by the hot indie band Streetlight Cadence. Space is limited. Don't wait. Give us a call at 955-8821 during business hours or email members at hawaiipublicradio.org. In this digital day and age, collecting old 78 RPM records doesn't sound all that exciting, but I'll tell you, quite a business. There was a very public sale recently on eBay of a record for $37,000, you know, and that's not uncommon. I'm Kyle Rizdahl. Check your closets, folks. You never know what you might find. That story and the rest of the day's business news next time on Marketplace from APM. This evening at 6, right after Bite Marks Cafe. Welcome back to Bite Mark Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And joining us today is Mike Travis and Elizabeth Garrison. Mike is the president of HSTE and is a high school math tech teacher and technology integration specialist over at Asset School in Honolulu. He has over 10 years experience teaching math, technology, and education courses to students from 6th grade to graduate level. Elizabeth, meanwhile, is the president-elect for the Hawaii Society for Technology and Education and will be the president in 2015. And what students' need uh, needs are addressed through technology. We'd love to hear your questions and comments. And of course, that number to call is 941-3689 on Oahu or 1-877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. Mike and Elizabeth, welcome to Bite Marks Cafe. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Thank so, you. so Mike, uh, we'll start with you, and and you know we really haven't had anybody come on and talk about uh, you know HSTE and and what the, they're all about. Maybe you can give us a kind of a history of HSTE and and how it got its start, and and you know who who is a part of this organization. Oh, great! Uh, thank you again. Thank you so much for having us on the show. I'm glad to share about our organization. So originally, um, just to give you a little background. The way it started is there was a School of the the Future grant initiative, which was funded through Hawaii Community Foundation Mm -hmm. and um, also working with HAIS, Hawaii Association of Independent Schools. And they formed a group to um, create a community of learners, and 53 private schools applied for it. And in the end, 18 schools were chosen as part of this School of the Future grant initiative. And that grant has gone five years now and provided um, $5 million to those schools. So the, the grant was a great way to bring together um, many of the private schools um, for different educational initiatives and learning and really the idea of 21st century learning and 21st century schools. And all of the schools had their own kind of grant ideas, but in general, all the schools were working together um, to better education. And so in the second year of that grant, um, initiative, 
um, each of the schools sent a group of people to ISTE, which is the International Society for Technology and Education. Mm -hmm. And so when they were there, um, Mark Hines and Lisa Morales, who are also um, ISTE board members, they um, realized that Hawaii was the only um, state that didn't have uh, an affiliate for the ISTE organization. And the ISTE organization um, encompasses over 100,000 members across the world. So it's a, it's, a big, it's a big group. And I guess when they did some research with, um, with Phil Bossert, who was the Schools of the Future program manager, they found out that there was a, hist, uh, a HISTE affiliate many years ago back in the 90s, but it kind of fell off because no one was that interested in it. Mm-hmm. And so um, what happened is we, we got a, they got a big group together, and um, we, we did what we had to do to become an organization, um, to become an, an affiliate. And um, so we actually got approval to be that affiliate in 2011. And um, now, of just three years later, we have 1,500 members. So 1,500 members in Hawaii Yes, at the Hawaii Society for Technology and Education. That's correct. That's, cre- that's great. Now, what can you sort of maybe describe what that uh, membership is comprised of? Sure. Um, so one of the reasons why we have so many members is because it's free to join. So um, I'll, I'll tell you more about how to join later on. It's really easy. But um, right now it's comprised of uh, – People, educators from um, public and private schools, charter schools, parochial schools, as well as um, leaders at schools, and also organizations, too, can join. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, other, like, businesses can join, vendors can join, too, Mm -hmm. and everything. So it's just a... a, a, a compilation of many different people from all all over the state. Mm -hmm. Now, Elizabeth, um, you are, I think, now relatively new to a new position in the Department of Education, but previously also worked with uh, Asset School and and on the ground as well? Um, Well, actually, I was a, the way that I met Mike was I was a program manager for two of the schools that were involved with the Schools of the Future initiative Mm -hmm. um, uh, on the Windward side um, here on Oahu. Um, and in March, I did change jobs. I now work um, at, at University of Hawaii, and I'm in the P20 Department, Partnerships for Education. So we work directly with the DOE. Um, I that's see. I, so that's kind of the, where the DOE uh, is uh, lies there. Um, and our, our purpose is uh, college readiness. Um, so we have initiatives starting in pre-K, uh, P3, all the way up to um, high school. Gear Up is part of the organization there mm-hmm. at P20. Um, and what I do, I'm the program manager for a, a new initiative, also um, funded by the Hawaii Community Foundation. And I oversee 10 middle schools, and um, they uh, they receive funds to help students uh, get uh, connected with their school. Um, so students that are off track that are uh, possibly going to be dropping out, mm-hmm. um, those uh, those uh, those st- students, we help them get them back on track. So each school uses their funds to uh, create incentives, or I'm sorry, uh, strategies, um, interventions to help those students. Mm-hmm. So what you're describing, though, is, is, is not really uh, part of the HSTE initiative, right? This is part of your P20 initiative. Right. That, so, but it does cross over um, mm-hmm. because technology is all about engagement mm-hmm. and um, engaging those students. So um, you don't have to be a tech teacher to be incorporating tech into your school, I hope mm-hmm. not. Um, I hope that all teachers, math, science... Um, especially with the Common Core and these new standards, it's all about 
um, integrating uh, the technology piece for possibly uh, showcasing how, how, how are you going to show what you learn. Um, and that's where definitely where the media, uh, where tech is involved. Can you give me an example? I mean, from the school level, from the ground level, the front lines, you know, the HST is, an, uh, is a large organization that has um, participants from, from all levels of education. But for a person at a school, at one of the schools perhaps that you work with, I mean, uh, how does the HST and its, uh, its mission manifest itself in, in what a student sees or experiences in a classroom? <laughs> Elizabeth's leaning to me. No, so. I'm, just, okay. I'm, I'm thinking about that. That's a really good question. Mm. I mean, just as far as um, how to bring HISTI into well, into, is it, into it, their... Mm-hmm. Is it helping with the, the educators, basically, making yes. them more prepared? Because in many cases, I think you might hear sometimes is that, darn, my kids know more about technology than no, I do. Course, I'm certainly yeah. saying right. that right. more often. So, um, I, I, we've... Our organization is a community of learners, so we're all learning from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a great website with um, that's that's our hub for all information um, for educators. So, mm-hmm. conferences we we um, definitely try to find out what conferences are coming up that would be applicable to to our teachers here in Hawaii. Um, any grant initiatives that are available, especially for tech funds, we make sure that that is, um, that is there in the open. In fact, there's um, a, a great uh, grant initiative that I want to make sure people know about, and it's Connect Ed. It's a federally funded uh, grant initiative that uh, began in uh, t- the June 2013. It's on our website, and about 10 corporations are funding this, Adobe, um, Sys- uh, uh, Microsoft, um, Verizon, and a lot of it has to do with connectivity, getting this, uh, the the schools connected to the internet, and that's um, really important. so. That's that's kind of interesting because uh, I would kind of imagine that a lot of the schools in Hawaii are already part of a connectivity plan that is part of the state of Hawaii, and you know they've been connecting a lot of the schools via fiber. Um, how would the schools perhaps benefit with this additional funding that's coming in potentially from this grant? Um, well, for example, Apple, they, um, their, their offering is iPads and, and MacBooks, mm-hmm. you know, so, so it is also hardware as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Adobe is offering um, uh, 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 Premiere Elements and Photoshop Elements, um, which is like $159, um, but to, to do the whole school. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the professional development piece, which is also offered with that. We're talking to Mike Travis and Elizabeth Garrison about the Hawaii Society for Technology and Education. And of course, education and technology are things we love to talk about. And if you've got a question or a comment, we'd love to hear from you. You can give us a call at 941-3689 or from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We're also listening on Twitter. Now, Mike, the last time I saw you, we were both speaking at the Hawaii Library Association. And you were showing off a cool app that you could put. Uh, you could basically have a app that recognizes any image and can play or trigger a link or a video or an action. And we even had uh, students from Iolani School come a couple of weeks later who were using that same app, Erasma, for their yearbook. So oh, wow. one of the, I guess one of the questions I was going to ask was, you know, I would imagine that one of the things that the HSTE provides is that when a cool tool or a you know some new technique comes up, it's a great way to kind of sped it, spread it, not just virally, but with, you know, with specific thinking about its application and education. Um, what are some uh, other things that you've seen the HST help facilitate that way? Um, good question. So, so success stories, I think um, 
the the main thing that we wanted to do with our organization is kind of be uh, a place where anybody could find any information. So we do, if you join the, um, if you become a member, which is free, you will get a monthly newsletter. But also on the website, we have a lot of areas for people. So what you're suggesting is, um, you know, connecting with uh, social media and things like that. So on our site, we have a lot of our um, board members and also members who are hosting different uh, um, gag, um, Google events um, once a week. So there's um, monthly events where they talk about different tools. So we have all of that listed there in the connecting with others area. But also in this tech area that Elizabeth was talking about, we want to host um, we want to list out every single tech event or education event that's happening around the state. So you have one place to go where you can know where what's going on at Iolani, what institutes are going at Midpack, you know what what is Adobe doing, um, presenting somewhere on the island, so that can, someone can come and get all that information. Along with what you were saying, Ryan too is just um, connecting organizations. So. Um, you know, Hawaii Library Association asked me to come speak about connecting different organizations. So one thing that I that we also had to this site was any um, education or technology or association that's um, that's on the islands as well. So if you're just moving here, or you don't know, but you're a librarian. What are the associations that you know would fit for my birds of a feather area? Mm-hmm. So um, and then link straight to those associations so that people can be a member of FISTI but also be a member of those associations. Um, so and I've heard that a lot. That's been really successful. That people are coming there. Oh yes, um, this is great. I'm finding the information I need, and it's a way to fill those registration um, events. So, Mike, uh, you've uh, been, I guess, president uh, since uh, 2014, I pr- so presume? So it's a one-year. One-year? One-year, yes. And so give me a sense of the uh, sort of main uh, initiatives that you try to promote in the year 2014, and then I want to give Elizabeth a chance to say about what she has in mind for 2015. In my first 100 right. days. Yeah, <laughs> what, what, what's your state, well, of the, the state of the, you know, HSTE? Yes. Uh, oh, that's um, great. That's a great question. I, I um, So... Two of the main things, uh, well, there's three main things. One was, of course, what I was saying about um, creating this place where all tech events and all education events are present, Mm -hmm. um, connecting to other associations. And then the other one is what, um, and I don't know if we want to talk about this now, but is is what I call, what I'm terming Education Week Hawaii. And so um, do you want me to go into details about that now, or should we wait to the other part? Yeah, sure, we can. Okay, so um, originally as part of, um, schools of the Future, um, the Schools of Richard Grant Initiative, they started a conference. And um, this conference first started with just the granted schools, but then um, Hawaii Community Foundation and Hawaii Association of Independent Schools expanded that to be a conference that public schools could attend or private schools or anyone. And so that, that conference has grown from 2009 and 300 people to over um, 1,200 people attending this two-day event in November. It's no, this it was October last year, but it's early November this year. Well, anyway, we wanted a way to make a whole week of events, of education events. So last year, um, HISTI started um, a new event, um, the Hawaii Education Leadership Summit, which is on the Wednesday before um, the Schools of the Future event. And then on Saturday, 
Ed Camp Honolulu is there. And Ed Camp Honolulu, if you've been to it before, a great event. It's free. And that event is more of an unconference because the people come to the event and they decide kind of the events. Mm-hmm. Sounds like the unconference. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I used that. But, um, no, no. Uh, no uh, uh, we've, uh, uh, we've been putting that on for about seven years. But uh, great, this is, yeah. Ed, Ed Camp is something that I think Kamehameha Schools uh, kind of spearheaded. Is that correct? Um, I'm uh, not sure which school started it, but um, – Right now, uh, we we kind of need it. It's it's sort of sponsored by Histi. Mm-hmm. It's it, it kind of run by you know everyone. It's mm-hmm, like open mm-hmm. source. And so, any let me tell you about the last speech, which is on Monday and Tuesday of that week of events. Um, one thing that people love to go to when they go to education um, conferences is to visit schools. And so, um, Assets School this year is on Monday and Tuesday is having what we're calling the Assets um, Fall Learning Institute. And so it's an opportunity to people to come to the school and actually see what's going on in the classrooms and learn because our asset school is so unique with our population. But um, the goal, I think, that that was my big initiative was to create this Education Week Hawaii. And then hopefully other schools will take that Monday and Tuesday and create um, school visits as well so that I, I would love to grow. You know, we, at the convention center, we can we can handle four thousand people for that schools of the future conference. We only have twelve hundred now, but there's so many opportunities around the Pacific Rim for people to come. And if they're coming for two days for that event, why not come the whole week, visit some schools? You know, um, have the leaders of your school have this leadership summit, and then visit schools of the future conference, and then go to the Ed Camp and spend the whole mm. week in Hawaii. You know, and um, great for great for the, our organization and great for um, Hawaii as as a whole. I'm sure we're going to wa- talk more about the, some of these events. I should note the Kamehameha Schools has its own ed, ed tech conference oh, yes. that mm-hmm. they do, and mm-hmm. why not? You know, They should be uh, also collaborating as well, but that was a separate event. We did have them on the show to talk about that. But So, Elizabeth, sounds like that's a, a great deal of, uh, of accomplishment there and certainly a good vision for the future. <laughs> but you have now an opportunity to put your stamp of approval and to, to, to point the ship in any particular direction. What is your passion, um, and what do you think you want to see HSTE focus on? Well, I, um, I'm going to continue the great work that Mike has laid out and also our other past president, mm-hmm. Brett Tanaka yes. and um, Mark, Mark Hines. Um, they've done a great job on uh, dealing with just the logistics of, of the organization, getting it together. Um, so this is it, it'll be, I think, easy, easier for me to step in than it was for somebody like Brett, who was the second president, um, because we've already established um, – some goals, and one of them is that that big week of, of education that we offer. Um, so the Schools of the Future Conference, that's that's a pretty big deal. So it takes us, you know, the whole year to, to mm-hmm. prep for that. Um, and also uh, just to continue, like, our, our meet and greets, um, that's a great opportunity. We, uh, we try to do them three times a year approximately. We just had one at, at Ryan's um, Grill on Oahu mm-hmm. where we just invite anybody who is a HISTI member to come and, and talk tech. Um, have some poo-poos um, and and uh, and have some fun. Um, we also have um, these meet and greets happening on other islands too, which is really exciting. So um, I want to continue that. I want to make sure that everybody is served and not just the Oahu people, because mm-hmm. we've you know that's it's always easy for us, but then those educators on Kauai or the Big Island sometimes they, they're left out. So we want to make sure that we continue um, services for them. Um, and also, I want to make sure that we're engaged with ISTE, um, the international organization. Um, uh, for the past uh, three years, we have sent somebody to ISTE 
Um, I've gone just for, you know, for my other school, and then we've always tried to send the president. Um, we would like to try to send more of our mm-hmm. board to, to ISTE because that is a great way to get together with the other affiliates. And um, one of my goals, too, is to possibly have some more presenters at ISTE from our organization. We had actually some pre- a presentation um, this well. You presented, yes. Mike. <laughs> That's right, with Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did have a presentation um, there this past year. So um, we actually had a, a little class, a little workshop um, to help people cre- uh, do their proposal for mm. ISTE because it is a really difficult conference to, to get in mm-hmm. on. No, that's great. I, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of uh, also curious about how. I mean, this is a great accomplishment to have this whole week identified in November. So that's that's great. And I, I'm kind of curious, uh, Elizabeth, and we'll talk about this later. But uh, how do you see sustaining this over you know, the course of years to come uh, in, in going into the future? Well, hold that thought. We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Mike Travis and Elizabeth Garrison about the impact of technology in education. How dependent are we becoming to technology and how vital will it become in raising the next generation? Of course, we'd love to hear from you. If you've got a thought or a question, you can give us a call at 941-3689 or toll free from the neighbor islands at 877-941-3689. You are listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hi, I'm Stuart Levine, author of Getting to Resolution. Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about a conversational model for moving through conflict. Sunday morning at 11. If you enjoyed Aloha Shorts, the program of local literature, actors, and musicians, then you won't want to miss the live taping of From Me to You, which closes the Atherton summer season on September 13th. Created by the Aloha Shorts producing team, hosted and with music by John Osorio. That's From Me to You in the Atherton, Saturday, September 13th at 7.30. Tickets at hprtickets.org or call 955-8821 during business hours. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And we're talking to Mike Travis and Elizabeth Garrison from the Hawaii Society for Technology and Education about bringing schools into the 21st century. And, of course, you can give us a call at 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. And, of course, right before the break, we were talking about the... uh, Sort of the objectives for the president of the you know 2014, and of course the new president for 2015, and and I think there are some really pretty cool um, events that are lined up, especially this uh, this uh, tech week coming up in in November, and that's a big accomplishment, I think, uh, Mike, that you've uh, uh, been able to pull together. And what I I guess you know part of this is that this is kind of a new thing, and I think it has a lot of potential. And what do you see as being a way to sustain this uh, going into 2015, 2016? I know you've Kind of handed this over to uh, Elizabeth. You know she's going to have to deal with twenty twenty fifteen Ed Week and you know Ed Week in uh, the, uh, the next year. How is um, how is funding and how is the effort to pull together all of this activity? Uh, given I'm I'm assuming that you're kind of a volunteer for this organization, right? right. right? How do you yeah. how do you sustain that kind of involvement and commitment? Uh, going into the future. Well, g- uh, great question, Bert. Um, I, I will say though that. Um, the the role of our president is a three-year term. So it's president-elect, 
current president and past president. So I, I will be still very much involved in the organization oh, and on the board. <laughs> so I'm not walking away and just leaving. So, um, But uh, what I see really is um, this is the the way we sustain it is to um, we, we do need to find ways to um, have more of a budget as an organization, the HISTI organization, so that we can. Because right now, uh, as Elizabeth said, we, we have enough money where we can send the president to the affiliate meeting and the whole ISTE event. But we, I, you know, I'd love to have more money so that we could do even more things like send members to other things. So I think as we were talking at our um, retreat in March, uh, one of the things we want to look at is more how can we acquire some more grants. Actually, HISTI came about we um it originally started um as another organization which was the Tech Core Hawaii organization because mm-hmm. um to become an ISD affiliate you have to have been already in an uh, organization nonprofit organization for 3 years or more so we kind of used them um Phil Bossert was the president at that time and we kind of he helped us to so that we could get our affiliate status. But their company, uh, I mean, that organization used to receive grants, big grants, and they would fund schools with those grants. So I would love the, um, you know, the idea of us as an organization working with committees to try and bring in more money so that we can give more grants. Mm-hmm. And 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 one is this Kauai grant, which um, I think Elizabeth touched on, um, uh, that we have for people in. Hawaii so that they can attend ISTE and other events. So it Lisa Morales was a, was a, on our board was a key in getting that that grant acquired mm-hmm. so that we could fund other teachers. So well, you know, one of the things that uh, both Ryan and I have been involved in in the past is sort of uh, we've not only had on the show various topics about STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math, and uh, during the week of the science fair, there there was uh, an attempt to look at maybe creating a STEM week. Mm, where a cool. lot of you know things that, that would uh, feature STEM in schools were were sort of highlighted, and I'm I'm just kind of curious to think to explore with you if you've started to think about what the relationship between uh, HSTE and perhaps the STEM initiatives that are going on in in education, uh, especially in Hawaii, and how there might be an evolving sort of relationship with with STEM, uh, you know, from an umbrella standpoint. Well, I think that. Uh you know, it's just this year that we've really started to think about connecting with other organizations mm-hmm. and bringing it under the umbrella. So I think there's a lot of opportunities for that. I mean, when you look at the people that are attending the Schools of the Future Conference, um, it's it's pretty much a mix, 50-50 between um, educators that come from public schools and private schools. And originally it started out as all private schools because it was part of the grant initiative. Mm-hmm. And then public school teachers wanted to attend. And so it, it branched off into this huge 1,200 um, participant event. So I think there's a lot of opportunities for that. I just have to network. So um, one of the things also that I initiated this year that I'm hoping Elizabeth will continue is just committees. So we've made some different committees in our board so that we can, you know, get more volunteers to work on different areas. Um, and so that that would be a big area is looking at how can we look at these other initiatives and try and, you know, work together. 
and, I, and, and do the, what we can for the state as a whole. I can definitely see that objective. It's certainly something that we try to accomplish with the show, in fact, is to mm-hmm. try to find all of these little pockets of like-minded people and right. find a way to help them to connect. Now, Elizabeth, um, you know, Bert had mentioned sort of STEM as, as a movement out there. I think the model that we had in mind was there is now kind of a singular organizing, or, organizing, <laughs> organizing committee and, and uh, make-up word committee for, for robotics now, right? Mm-hmm. Because it became such a, a, a fixture in several schools schools that there was an opportunity to kind of coordinate it all. Mm -hmm. And we were wondering if that would be something that would happen for STEM specifically. Now, Elizabeth, how would you describe STEM? I mean, Hawaii Society for Technology and Education and Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math as an educational uh, concept certainly seemed like uh, they're one, they're they're, they're of the same mind. Um, Mm -hmm. Would you see, how about robotics, for example? Would you see kind of that being a part of the the, the encompassing of HSTE? Oh, definitely. Um, and, and I would love for anybody who is involved with robotics, STEM, um, especially if you're a leader at your school, um, please um, join us and, and we can work together mm-hmm. and um, help you, you know, help that organization and, and they could help us. Um, so if we have something that we feel that needs to be offered, we would love to host, we would love to um, help out, especially with the robotics piece. Sure. Um, I know that a lot of the Schools of the Future um, grantees, I mean, that's where they did spend a lot of their money was to start um, a robotics team, and that just grew. And then, of course, in the you know the state of Hawaii does really well in robotics. We have some great teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the, the, the STEM uh, initiative itself, um, helping through the science, technology, education, I mean, uh, uh, math, engineering. Um, and also, let's add STEAM in there. I think we need to start calling it the STEAM. Art yes, the, the art piece. The art piece. Yes, yes. Um, because I, one, of the, uh, one of the community of learners organizations that I'm part of is I'm an Adobe education leader, and that's one thing that we really try to push is that art piece. Well, you know, our guests uh, earlier on the news segment are, are uh, very much involved with the uh, creative media and mm-hmm. uh, animation. And, mm-hmm. you know, that definitely encompasses the art and technology aspect of things. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm curious. Um, this might be a real basic question. But when I look at things like robotics, I mean, robotics is primarily sort of an extracurricular activity. And, and I'm just kind of um, trying to understand from, a, from an HSTE standpoint, do you see – your initiatives more in terms of the uh, sort of in the classroom kinds of, of initiatives that are part of the classroom, part of the teacher's delivery of curriculum versus sort of extracurricular and it being sort of outside of the classroom and something that the kids would get involved in, you know, post uh, um, uh, school day? Well, for, well, with 21st century learning, I think that we need to stop thinking of in the classroom, 8 yes. to 4. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? um, so that's one of the HISTE's um, philosophy is, is it's education is everywhere, all day. Um, so I think it, it definitely transcends both, you yes. know, both in the classroom and outside the classroom. I, I would just add to that is, that is why are we saying robotics is separate? Isn't there so much that that students can learn doing robotics in the regular classroom with mathematics, problem-solving skills, things like that. We, uh, when I was at ISTE in Atlanta for the big conference, the big movement I saw there was the maker movement. And um, the Maker Fair, which I think, Ryan, I, I think you posted from there. Did you attend that? The um, Maker I, Fair I in March? I was one of the supporters of it. Right, I I yeah. Like, you did a video of it, too. Yeah, yeah. so, so <laughs> that, that big idea about having kids make things. So, you know, robotics and ideas like that, instead of just having them as a separate, 
you know, entity, why not bring those and embrace those in the regular classroom? And, well, I mean, and I think that's um, I, I, the, the, in an ideal situation, that's very nice to say, but how does that sort of <laughs> coincide with Common Core, right? If you have Common Core, you have to meet a certain set of requirements that are, you know, set by the federal government. Doesn't that prohibit you or Fewer hours limit, of the day? limit you yeah. to getting really creative and trying to be outside of the box, incorporating robotics or maker and, you know, how does that yeah. how does that blend in? Where do you find the the balance? Tough tough question because I teach at a <laughs> private school, so, well, I'm yeah, not so really you can do whatever you want. Right? To it. Well, <laughs> right. But um, I think that when I look at some of the Common Core standards, they they are ta- they're talking more about that idea of skill based. You know, so I think there's there's more of that than there was before in the other standards. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think teachers have to find a way to adapt the learning um, to skills. You know, skills are mm-hmm. what the the content. You know, is going to come. It's 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 it's. What are the skills are they going to need to be successful? You know, understanding themselves as a learner is such a huge thing, and then understanding what are my passions and how can I explore those passions. That's what's going to carry you on um, in life, mm-hmm. not necessarily the contents. Now, Elizabeth, I mean, you got a foot in, in sort of both <laughs> camps. Uh, do you have a, a perspective? One. perspective well, on this? one thing about Common Core is the content is the same. You're teaching the same content. It's just how you're teaching it. Um, so instead of lecture, the teacher stands in front of the room, the students are actually doing things and they're mm-hmm. making things. And that's what's coming out of Common Core. So um, and the government, well, th- we're not telling you the Common Core standards. They're not telling the teachers how to do it. Mm. What the obje- they, you know what the objective is, but if you objective. if you can't employ robotics or mm-hmm. or a three right. D printer, then why not? That, then why not? And and it, it's a lot of hands on, project based learning uh, and doing things um, rather than just receiving that information. The students are applying what they're learning, and mm-hmm. it could be in robotics, it could be in some multimedia project that is um, being that the the subject is science or math. Mm-hmm. It's not. Robotics. Mm-hmm. Now, well stated. Well stated. Um, Elizabeth, one of the things that uh, I mean, it sounds like HSTE is still growing quickly, and it's an, it's pretty much an open door and all comers organization. And you're just beginning to find these uh, like minded organizations to interact with. One of the things that I would ask you is, um, do you see maybe as we talk about Common Core that maybe curriculum development as being something that uh, the organization would look at, or if not, um, what I have in mind is a teacher who wants to incorporate maybe a maker thing or wants to incorporate robotics or wants to incorporate Adobe or uh, iPad development or something in their classroom. They say, okay, I can use whatever tools I can find to reach this teaching objective, but I don't even know where to begin. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not a technical mm-hmm. person. Right. Um, what what resources are out there in addition to HSTE uh, to help someone like that? Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I can think of too, and this is one of the success stories I think that's come out of our organization is the social networking piece and mm-hmm. um, a, a site like Edmodo. So if you're a teacher out there and you've never discovered Edmodo, that would be one of the places I would look. Um, EDM, M-O-D-O. <laughs> Edmodo. Edmodo. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it's, it's Facebook for the classroom. Um, it can be for your students, but it's also a great uh, piece for professional development. So if a, student, if, a, if a teacher out there wants to incorporate something like that, he or she just has to put that question out there. And there are thousands of people that are on Edmodo that would love to answer. Um, and I think, I think that networking piece of um, going outside your school walls to seek, seek answers um, the global community um, is is just huge. There's so many people out there that would that would love to help them, and they could use HISTE as that portal to to help them uh, 
go to that direction they need to go to. Now, now you mentioned uh, um, that you have a sort of a monthly meet and greet. You had one at Ryan's. Um, is that something that is kind of a ongoing monthly gathering, um, or is that some uh, something that is evolving? And and part of the question is, how do you engage with your fifteen hundred members, and is there a way that they can continue to have sort of a face to face interaction with others that are part of uh, you know um, HSTE? That that's a great question, Bert, and one that we're still exploring. Okay. I think um, what we just started recently was we have we're on all the social media, so we have a, a you know Google Plus page, a Google Plus um, group, as as well as a Facebook group. And so we're trying to connect with that large community of learners that was the grant. How do we kind of take that that all those people that were in that group, how do we connect with them and go um, forward in the future? And so we're st- I think we're still trying to understand where that is. You know, we have, like, as Elizabeth mentioned, we're having meet and greets on some of the other islands to connect in small groups. Um, I think it's a piece that we have to explore and figure out how is it that we can connect with people um, other than just sending them an email or posting on social media. I will say that small social the social medias is a great place where people could get assistance or ideas. You know, they could post to that group and say, like, I don't know how to do robotics or where, where would I start? And then someone's there to help you. So I think uh, going forward, since we are just an invol- uh, just a um, young organization and still evolving, it's, it's what pieces are, are going to be the most important going forward that, that will work the best. Wasn't there a, a Ning group for Schools of the Future? And, and what it do you was. see happening with the, with the Ning group? Uh, with respect to HSTE. And and so what, what happened with the NING group is that was um, focused and funded by the Schools of Future Grant Initiative. So right. that's that's kind of had to go away because of that. Okay. So what happened is they started a Schools of the Future um, Google Google Plus group. Mm-hmm. And so many of the people have joined that group. And, we you know, we have links on our on the HISTI site about that. And then we're starting a group, too. So it's it's kind of finding that media that will connect the most people because right. so many people, some are on Facebook, Twitter, um, Google Plus. Right. Some people will have nothing to do with Google. Yeah, Some people will have exactly. nothing to do with Facebook. So, so. it's like um, when when we send out a message, it's like, and you probably know this from Bymark, so you have to send it to many, you know, all the different social medias, like throw it on as many walls as you can. That's and, right. Don't forget LinkedIn too, everyone. right? LinkedIn. Yes, LinkedIn. So um, I, I think the face-to-face is great. You know, we have the Schools of the Future Conference and that whole Ed Week, which is a great time for people to get together face-to-face. And then from there, it's working. How do we, in the future, keep these people connected? Well, that probably sounds like a really good, good uh, session during the uh, Ed Camp. Absolutely. Right. So yeah. um, very quickly, uh, again, when is this Education Week? We might have more conversations about it. And where can someone go to find more information about your organization? Okay, the week of events is from November 3rd through the 7th. And so it starts with the Monday and Tuesday of the Assets Learning, Fall Learning Institute, then followed by the Hawaii Education Leadership Summit on Wednesday, Schools of the Future Conference on Thursday and Friday, and then Ed Camp Honolulu on Saturday. And so, um, you can contact, you can get more information at histe.org, H-S-T-E dot org. You can join there and see a lot more about Education Week Hawaii and uh, lots of other information. How much does it cost to join Histe? It's free, free to join still. Yes. I think I can still afford free. that. Yes, yeah. you can. Well, thank you very much. Thanks. Uh, Mike. Well, Mike Travis is the president of HSTE. And of course, Elizabeth Garrison is president-elect. And we want to thank you both for joining us today. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you very show. much. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we'll discuss the proposed Hawaiian Electric filing with the PUC and what it means. 
And if you missed any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. And of course, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chung, and our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich. And we leave you with our song pick of the week. Here's a band that I thought sounded like the B-52s. It's Beach Day and a song called All My Friends Were Punks. See you next week on another edition of Bike Marks Cafe. Oh, no, no, no.